This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, the ball. turn, Picks of flow. and touchdown the is frozen over. of the 2022 season. And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh, baby! Welcome in, all you hoodats. We're here on Inside Black and Gold. Another edition with St. Sideline Reporter. That's me, Steve Geller, along with WWL and Odyssey Digital Sports content provider, Jeff Noel. And I, I provide content. That is what I do. And all ca- catchers of touchdowns in the Superdome. Yes. And one touchdown having person in the Superdome. Uh, my shining moment happened yesterday uh, with our 33-14 defeat, but all eyes were on me for that that really, really bad out route that no one seemed to care about. And uh, yeah, went up and got it, went up and got it. So you can't blame me. I scored my touchdown. Um, and I felt it today. I woke up today very sore. Uh, I am an old 32, if you will. I um, My hips, my ankles, my back, all feeling it. First thing I did this morning was uh, pop like three Advil and uh, then went out to Saints camp as I just and it was funny because you could tell everyone who played in that game because other than Sean Fazend who looks like he could do that every day right. uh, everyone was just kind of like oh god you should ask one of the trainers hey you mind if I hit the cold tub real quick well <laughs> it was funny because um, the media person for the Saints he was like seriously does anyone need ice and everyone was like trying to be tough and I was like I kind of I kind of do but I didn't take any, and I regret it. The kicker for that was they obviously had the practice in the Dome yesterday on Sunday, and so we were, we all got there at like 10.30, played the game, and then we were there until the end of practice, which was like 6.30. So it was like it felt eight hours in the Dome. But we got through it. We got through it, and we got, we'll have a lot on the practice in the Dome. We'll have a lot on the practice today, which I was out at. Um, we're going to get into the latest on kind of Jameis Winston, Mike Thomas, what we've seen from them. We're going to have some more news and notes in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to get into a bit on one player that I think we are not talking about nearly enough. And when we are talking about him, most of us have been saying his name wrong. Uh, so we'll get into that. 
And then in the final segment, we're going to get into Chris Alave's touchdown. I have some film we can go through because uh, we're also posting this on YouTube. So if you're, if you're wondering why I'm referencing things that you can't see, go check it out on YouTube and we'll have that there. And then after that, we're going to get into a viewer mailbag or we're going to answer some of the questions that have been filtering in throughout the recording. Um, but first things first, let's hear from Dennis Allen on what he had to say about Jameis Winston getting back to practice the last few days. Give good. It was good, a little rusty, but but yet um, good to get him back out there and uh, get him back going again. So um, I think anytime we get a guy back from an injury, you know, it's good to have him back out on the field. Yeah, and I think what he said there was true. He's, he's a little rusty right now. He, um, I think it was about a week and a half that he did not practice. He, you were up there for the joint practices. He got out there on the Wednesday or on the Tuesday, but he didn't really do anything. Then on the Wednesday, he worked in individual drills, but not team drills. And then, so he did not play in the preseason game. And then yesterday, he got into seven-on-sevens, but didn't get into 11s. Today, he went through seven-on-sevens and all of the 11-on-11s, so all the team sets except for, (laughs) because there's always an except for, they always leave some room to grow, except for the final two-minute drill kind of segment of the day, which was just Andy Dolan and Ian Book. But... It is good to see him back out there because there was a lot of guys who were not out there today. Yeah, with all the players that we've seen, you know, coming back from injuries, the term ramp up has definitely been the buzzword of this camp. And they've been bringing guys along slowly and, you know, easing them back into things. Jameis Winston, you know, to us, at least on the field, he looks like he's moving around fine. There's no limp to that step. There's no any kind of. Uh, awkwardness to the way he's moving but uh, the team still has been gradually bringing him back I thought we were get to see him more obviously uh, when we were in Green Bay that wasn't the case but it sure is good now this last week heading into the final preseason game and it's kind of crazy to think that training camp is wrapping up yeah it goes quick once it gets going and yeah we only have a few more I think we have two more open practices or no I'm sorry there's no more open practices to the public those are done Um, The Superdome was the last one. I think from a media perspective, we have, so today's Monday, uh, there's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm sorry, no, Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday's a walkthrough, and then Friday is the Chargers, and then after that, I think we get into like full regular season mode, where we're only going to get like 15 minutes out at every practice to kind of see who's there and who's not. Um, So this, this is the last kind of stretch, and then we get into regular season mode, but it is good to see Jameis out there tell you what da did not sound like he was concerned at all about Jameis not getting any reps in the preseason so i would not be surprised in the slightest if the first time we see him under center in a real game environment is week one in atlanta which i think is a mistake um just because i want to see him get into a bit of a rhythm like i don't i i think that that those first four games are so important that i think there is a real possibility that you go out to Atlanta a game you really should win and the offense is is rusty to the point that you that you drop what should be a win early in the season and it could haunt you down the stretch that's what I'm worried about and I guess one series in the preseason isn't going to make or break that right but I I don't know I don't I don't like the idea of like keeping the training wheels on all the way through camp and then expecting someone to just flip that switch uh, when the games start for real No, I totally get that too. And maybe that's why, you know, we're, we're not the the football players or the coach because 
I feel the same way where I just want to see something. And I know it's just a preseason game. And even if it was just a series, would it really make that much of a difference? But just to see him going through the motions, looking like he's on some kind of rhythm with guys, got a connection, would be nice to see. But apparently, like you said, Dennis Allen's totally confident. And um, if that if that is the case, we're, we're seeing Jameis under center with these guys for the first time in live action, and it's week one in Atlanta, September 11th, so be it. I, I guess that, you know, for the preseason finale, then I couldn't even imagine, are we going to see Andy Dalton then either? Is it going to be more of the, the Ian Book show the entire time? Well, so what... Dennis said after the, well, before and after the game in Green Bay was that he saw the first team offense and defense in so many like highly contested, like high energy reps throughout the week that he didn't feel like he needed to see them in the game. uh, And he wanted to get them a little bit of extra rest. And so that's what happened. Um, And I think that because of that, you will probably see a good number of the first team guys out there for whatever ends up being the their run against the Chargers. Um, now, keep in mind, there were 13 players who did not practice on Monday and nobody who did not practice on Sunday came back Monday. Um, and so here, I'll just run you down, run you down the list of players who were not there because it is a long one. So, Taysom Hill. Oh, okay. And again, these are players who did not practice with the rest of the team on Monday. Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas, Kevin White, Pete Warner, PJ Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, Alante Taylor, Chase Hansen, Cesar Ruiz, Taco Charlton, Landon Young, James Hurst, and Adam Troutman. Now, Pete Warner and Alante Taylor did get work in off to the side. We saw them rehabbing, and that's always a good sign because it means they're, you know, one or two days away from getting back to work with the, with the full team. Pete Warner is a bit more concerning because he's already done this process once and came back and then got hurt again with that groin injury. So, you know, I asked Dennis today, kind of, is this the point of the season where you're really just doing maintenance with guys? Like, it's not really about an injury. It's about like, okay, the regular season starts in two weeks. Let's get these guys as healthy as possible. And he said yes to an extent, but, you know, these guys are still dealing with stuff. Michael Thomas, as we we mentioned, is dealing with a bit of a, a little bit of a hamstring, quote unquote. Um, and you know, I do wonder at what point does it start to be concerning that these guys just can't get out there for practice and how much of this is the new training staff trying to do things differently? Um, I don't know. Yeah. With Michael Thomas, he was not on the sideline for Friday night's game against green Bay. So I'm curious if the hamstring started acting up after that Wednesday session or something happened during the Thursday walkthrough in green Bay there, uh, with with Pete Werner, you definitely want to see him in action for the preseason, in my opinion, because he is just a second-year guy. He's not a established veteran yet, and he's expected to be playing alongside Demario Davis, and that's going to be obviously a, a huge role for him. And without these reps and getting more time on the field with this whole entire defense just – that hurts that that chemistry, obviously, on the field with right there. And, you know, we, we've talked about it. The groin injury is is pretty serious because you you know that it's something that is easily it, it doesn't go away uh, kind of thing and can can come back 
in a hurry if you don't be careful. And we saw that, like you mentioned with him, uh, was out to start camp, then came back, and then after a few sessions was missing in action again. At least I like we're coming in, in this final stretch of training camp here, and he was back on Monday. Uh, hopefully a good sign of things that are on the mend for him. Uh, with with Michael Thomas, I, I don't know how serious this this little bit of a hamstring is. And I, I get it from fans, though. It's concerning just because he missed all last year with this ankle injury, and we've been pumping him up on how great Michael Thomas looks and can't guard Mike is back. And now he's suffering another setback, and it's a different injury. Uh, and a hamstring is another thing like a groin that they they can linger and not go away. They're kind of a nagging thing. Yeah, I think, you know, and I don't, I, I know they will not say this now, but I have a feeling that, a lot of these absences are the, uh, you know, the abundance of caution absences, right. right? And I think when we get to the regular season, the the process is going to change for what keeps someone out. Um, because I think at a certain point in the season, everyone's playing through something, right? And I think what's happening right now is like, if you if there's something, anything, you're not practicing. And I think this is kind of a overcorrection from last year when, you know, we've talked about it to death, you know, 58 different starters. And especially for a guy like Mike Thomas, who you just want to make sure that you are catching everything early with him and his recovery. So he says, yeah, my hamstring's a little sore. And that's a little bit of a hamstring. Hey, my hamstrings are incredibly sore today. I probably couldn't practice if I, if I had a practice, right? Like sometimes you're just sore. Um, and you know, I, you know, I don't get a day off from my job. Like Mike does. That's a joke. He has a much more difficult job than I do, at least from a physical perspective. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think that that's what we're seeing, right? There's no way that there are 13 players on the saints, uh, who are dealing with actual injuries. I think it's just a lot of maintenance. And once we get to week one, we're going to see that maintenance be a little more subdued because they don't want to put 13 people on the injury report every week. Right. Um, and they don't want to tell, because when you, when you miss practice like that, you have to tell people what's bothering you, right? And that is not something that you want to do, you know, because everyone on your roster is dealing with something, like I said, but you don't want the def- the other team to know that like, oh, he's his hamstring sore, right? <laughs> That's not uh, like the amount the information you want to give to the other team. So I think we're going to see players participate in practice more regularly than we have seen in training camp. Because this is weird. I don't I don't like seeing 13 names out of practice. I don't enjoy taking attendance when there's 13 names out of practice because it takes a little longer. Um, and so, you know, the only names on here that I'm concerned about are Chase Hansen which we saw leave in the game. And I couldn't tell what the injury or issue was with him when he walked off the field. No. And he's just hurt all like, that's been the story of his career is he's always right. hurt. So Unfortunately, just cannot stay on the field. It's not a great indicator for him that he, you know, he had that one really good game and then he got out there for a couple snaps against green Bay and he's, and he's gone. We haven't seen him since. Um, the other guy I am concerned about is Adam Troutman um, because I think he took a shot to the head. Yeah. And he was slow to get up and then came to the sideline in Green Bay and was there for a little bit, got checked out in the tent. And I could see he he walked on his own power to the locker room, but he definitely looked a little woozy. And so 
You can speculate a concussion there, but I can't, you know, f- confirm that for sure. But it definitely looked like it was something where he was getting checked out further for that in the locker room. Um, and then with the other tight end situation, I didn't see anything happen with Taysom Hill. So I'm curious what he's dealing with. Is it more of the ribs or something else? Yeah, I think that's good. another example of like, okay, if this was a real week where you're getting ready for a game, he's probably out there practicing. They're just giving him rest. At least that that would be my my guess because he got his first game action. He probably is sore because you're going to be sore after playing your first game and you haven't played in however long. It's just natural. So I'm not too worried about him. The guy I am a little more concerned about is James Hurst because as we talked about last week, I don't want to see Trevor Penning starting at left tackle week one. I think he looked way better in pass protection specifically week two, which I'm glad that I told everyone to pump the brakes because like, yes, he improved in a lot of the areas that he really struggled in week one. And that's what you want to see for a rookie. Now he's going to struggle at times. And I know the reaction is going to be, Oh my gosh, if you draft this guy in the first round, rookies struggle. It's just a fact of life. And that's why I don't want to see him out there week one. So hopefully James Hurst is just kind of, he got stepped on. I think he's gets some sort of, as Dennis Allen put it, foot. And so hopefully he can get that better because, again, like I said, I don't want Trevor Payne to get thrown into the fire week one. I really just don't want to see it. You know, maybe even if it's like week three, week four, where he can kind of get reps sprinkled in and get that kind of full game action, that's what I want to see for him. I want to see him ramped up into that into that position, not just thrown into the fire where his confidence just goes goes through the – goes down the toilet. And he mentioned that post game after the Packers of uh, Trevor Penning of being kind of overwhelmed with the atmosphere in the crowd, a lot different than, you know, what he was seeing in college compared to now, even in a, uh, a preseason game in the NFL. Right. With the arena is half full and no one really caring. Yeah. Like, yeah, that week one game against Atlanta, you know, that's going to be a shock to the system. You know, I'd want to, I don't want to see him, have to get his NFL debut as the starting left tackle in, in those in, the, in that environment, not not the, by a long shot. The good thing is that Atlanta crowd's not too crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they all they don't show up until the second quarter, right? So and then they leave before the fourth quarter. So you know, just get him the reps early. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you should do the opposite. <laughs> but all right, that's where we'll wrap up that news and notes segment. We're gonna take a quick break and then come back with the player that I think you are not talking about enough and you are saying his name wrong, I guarantee it. I definitely was. Yep. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. We're still trying to grow this thing. And we do want feedback. You know, one of the things that is really difficult about starting a podcast is I don't know what I'm doing wrong or what is annoying to people. I'm just saying things and using my normal cadence and talking. So if there are things that are annoying you and you want me to change, you need to put that in the review so that I have an idea what it is. Like, I'm not going to tell you, you have to give me a five-star review, but if you give us lower than five stars, I'd like to think that you can tell us what it is that made you rate us below five stars because that's how we get better. So thanks everyone that's in here on YouTube. Thanks everyone who listens to the podcast. We're going to keep it going. And in this segment, we are going to talk about the player, like I said, that we are not talking about nearly enough. And when we do talk about him, we are saying his name wrong. And that player is none other than Nephi Sewell. All right. Everyone on the Saints beat, everyone I have heard talk about this guy since he got here has called him Nephi. It is N-E-P-H-I. I kind of blame the Saints on this one, though, because his name is not on the pronunciation chart. No, and they, they heard us saying it wrong. They could have easily just texted us and been like, hey, guys, can you talk about this guy and say his name right? But we didn't know until uh, I can't remember who asked the question, but someone asked Eric Wilson, the linebacker, yeah. about Nephi, quote unquote Nephi. And he said, oh, Nephi. And everyone was like, What? <laughs> and and I was I guess like I guess we've all been saying his name every single one of us every single reporter was saying his name wrong uh so anyway it's after Nephi I, after I heard that too I had to go back and like look at post interviews from him in college to see if maybe that Eric Wilson was wrong no it, it is correct yeah I looked up his highlight reel the when I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce someone's name that I don't encounter very often that's, I usually go to like their highlight packages and wait for right. the announcer to say it because the announcers are usually right. And uh, yeah, Nephi, they say it. We just never, no one ever thought to go check. It, it, and I'm, I know it annoys you too. Alvin Kamara gets butchered so many times by even announcers or uh, national hosts, and I, I don't get it at all. Well, that's, that's a good one though, because I use that as kind of like a litmus test for whether I should care about what you're saying or not. Because if you come at me and say, Alvin Kamara, then I know that you don't pay that much attention to the saints and I don't have to listen to your opinion because it's going to be wrong. Um, <laughs> and then said, so, but like some, a lot of people who do pronounce correctly are wrong too. So it's, you know, people, there's nothing stopping you from being wrong, but it's Camara. At least and, the guy's name, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I think that being able to pronounce the names correctly is like a really good indicator of how much you pay attention. I always felt that way. That's why I went out of my way to ask Alante Taylor how we pronounce his name. And he was like, instead of telling us, he just said, call me Tay. So anyway, there we have it. But okay, let's get back to Nephi. I'm going to say it wrong at least once in this podcast, but I'll try to catch myself. Nephi, Nephi, Nephi. Why do I think we're not talking about him enough? Well, the last two days, he's been getting first team reps in all of these drills. And that's significant. That's not something to overlook. He's going out there and lining up next to Demario Davis. You have Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo on the outside. You have Tyron Matthew and Marcus May behind him, and you have the first-team defensive line. Every other first-team player is out there, and then you're throwing this UDFA from Utah, which the Saints, for whatever reason, love the state of Utah. You know, we've got Taysom Hill, you got Chase Hansen, uh, Daniel Sorensen's also BYU. You got guys from Idaho. You got guys, they just love that part of the country, apparently. But... He's up there. He's getting those reps. And that's not 
just a coincidence. It's because they've seen things throughout these preseason games, and he has played well in the preseason games. He's been getting kind of the later reps, and I would expect to see him get earlier in the rotation against the Chargers. But I think that we're definitely not talking about him enough because he very well could make this roster at linebacker. Yeah, with the issues, you know, with right now Pete Warner sidelined, the injury again now with Chase Hansen, the the rookie's definitely going to be getting more of these looks at that weak side linebacker spot. And, you know, he's definitely been capitalizing. Uh, Dennis Allen complimented him saying, obviously playing extremely hard, smart, instinctive kind of guy. And he can definitely continue to build on that going forward into this Chargers game Friday night, which is still uh, a, still a job interview for a lot of players on this roster. There's still a few, few spots up for grabs. There's nothing set in stone there at linebacker, uh, the running back position, you know, another one. Yeah. There are real questions at linebacker behind Demario and assuming Pete Werner gets out there, Pete Werner. Right. And there's no guarantees for any of these guys behind them. Right. Chase Hansen, I think, made a really good statement in the first preseason game, but now he can't get back on the field. And that's been the story of his career. He's always hurt. So you never, you don't know. Like, I think that he probably is up toward the top of the like pecking order of who would make it. But if he can't, if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. Right. And then you have Zach Bond, who I, I'm going to be honest, I don't see very much of a reason to keep him on this roster beyond the fact that you are, com- you've already committed some money to him because he's a first round or a third round draft pick. And some of that's guaranteed. Um, but I mean, just from a, from, from a, you know, statistical perspective and from the eye test, like I have seen nothing from him that makes me feel like he needs to stick around. Yeah. I had, you know, some little inside notes on him personally for the game green Bay, obviously because he was back home. I figured he'd, you know, be showing out and it was either the third or fourth quarter. And I'm like, he's got to do something. I want to use this note, obviously on the hometown guy. And finally there was a play, you know, that happened. And, and I got to mention, uh, something from my notes, but yeah, I mean, this he's he's really been a special teams contributor contributor, and you expect so much more from him. I, I don't know if he makes this roster, but I would think if he goes unclaimed, he ends up back on the practice squad at the very least. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just tough because you're talking about a third round pick. That's a that's an investment, right? Yeah. If but if he was not a third round pick, you probably would say, why would we keep him? Right. And uh, I saw the snap counts from after the game and he was on, I think he got like 16 snaps. And it's like, you, I would have believed you if you told me he didn't play at all. <laughs> like I, I did not, not one time throughout that game was I like, Oh yeah, there's Zach Bond making a play, you know? And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing when you have a guy like John Bostic who showed up that week and led the team in tackles, right? Eric Wilson has forced two turnovers in the preseason games. He tipped the pass that Chase Hansen intercepted against Houston and he knocked the ball out that PJ Williams recovered. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Wilson, that PJ Williams recovered against green Bay, you know, and it's like, you're trying to make a roster, uh, which that guy's huge, by the way, we interviewed him for the first time today and he's built. <laughs> That's a big dude. Yeah. He's got a lion on his shoulder. He and Abram Smith have both have both have the lion tattoos. I, I was going to ask him, but I ran out of time. You know, who has the better lion tattoo? It's I think Abrams, Abrams hasn't beat. But, you know, Eric Wilson's a guy who I think will make this roster, right? And so you probably have two from that group of, you know, Nephi, Eric Wilson, Chase Hansen, Zach Vaughn, 
Um, I'm missing one. Bostic, you said him. And, yeah, and Bostic. Yeah, that's the other one. And it's just a matter of who puts that that foot forward, right? And right now, I think that the team is indicating that Nephi is right there. Um, and yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, definitely huge for him. Obviously, it was a little bit of a surprise seeing it was like yesterday in the dome was like, oh wow, he's he's running with the ones right now. And obviously, with some of the injuries, uh, that's you know, it's not that big of a a jump for him right now but uh, i'm also curious we um with caden ellis as well too that's another linebacker yeah and i think that you know he's gotten a lot of praise from dennis allen as well after i that was after the one of the joint sessions that he really uh went out of his way to praise his development in this season now he's a good player i like i like caden a lot i just think he has a he has a ceiling in terms of what he can do physically where big, some of these other guys have effort guy for you though. Yeah. And some of these other guys just from a, from a potential perspective, I think they have a higher ceiling. Um, speaking of potential, one guy who has seen his role change completely um, in the last two days since the weekend, Kirk Merritt yeah, it was now like, running back Kirk Merritt. It was like the saints just, just fell in love with the idea of having a running back where a number in the eighties. And they were like, we don't have one anymore. So we're going to switch Kirk Merritt over to the running back room, and that's what they did. They waived Divine Azigbo, which I think in part was so that he could latch on with somebody else, which I think you told me he did. Yeah, with the Denver Broncos, so good for him. And that's I, I think Divine is a solid player. He should be on an NFL roster, you know, a team that has some more availability on that. You know, I think the Saints are a very deep team, especially at the skill positions, and, you know, that's a big reason why he wasn't really able to crack that nut. But – what Kirk provides at the running back position is a wide receiver at the running back position. And he is built like a running back. He's built a lot like Ty Montgomery. Um, they look very similar. And then now that he's in the backfield, it's like seeing Ty Montgomery back there. So I think if you, if you can get elite special teams play out of Kirk and you have a guy who kind of can, can in a pinch play wide receiver, play running back either, or that's a really, a really good feather to have in your cap when you're just trying to figure out who that fourth running back is, because I don't think Abram Smith has done anything to really get me excited about his, his ability in his rookie season, you know, and maybe he's a practice squad guy, if you can stash him there, but like, and like a Tony Jones, if Dwayne Washington is your RB three, then I think Kirk Merritt is your RB four, right? I think that, that he's kind of supplanted Abram as that upside spot, but we'll see. We'll see a lot more in week three of the preseason against the Chargers, I think. Yeah, and I feel like the Saints obviously invested a lot in Abram financially as an undrafted, you know, free agent. I know it's not crazy money, but still, um, I, I definitely think they still feel he's got something and would be curious if they don't put him on the roster, if someone would want to swoop in and claim him and try to, you know, work them into into their lineup. Or, or you know, I don't know if Tony Jones Jr. has even done enough where someone would be interested in snagging him as well. That's the, the running back competition is still very interesting. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know whether Dwayne was kept out because he was dinged up or if it was because they feel comfortable with him as the RB three. Cause I think that there is a big difference there. He did. He did leave the Wednesday early and then Thursday kind of saw him hanging out by the speakers that were, you know, blaring the sound at practice so he was at least present, but not, not suited up or anything. 
Right, and that's why I'm not quite sure, right? Because if if Dwayne is the RB4, then I think that Tony Jones probably is the RB3, right? I think that's kind of where you kind of make that right, determination. Right. But we don't know whether he's dinged up or not because he hasn't been at practice the last two days either. So if if he is not able to kind of put his foot forward to be that RB3, then I think it's Tony. Because I think when you look at the race and the competition that you have there, Tony was had pulled in front pretty pretty safely with his performance, not only on the field or not only in the, in the offense, but he had a tackle and an assist on special teams and he returned kicks. Um, and I think it's just when you're looking at those depth positions, if you can do three, four, five things, it's much easier to keep you on the roster. He would even had a better game. It was that unfortunate drop um, from Merritt, but seeing him, I don't call, I see. I don't call that a drop. I think you have to, fully lay out to catch a ball that's not a drop i don't know i looked like he should have i'd have to go back i guess and look at it again but i felt like he should have had that one i mean he probably should have but it would have been a spectacular catch right it's like if you're watching a baseball game and it, would that have been an error i don't know like if you have right. to fully lay out is it a catch like you make more than 50 percent of the time i i don't like like in the game when the announcers were talking about it. And again, I'm a huge John Stinchcomb fan. I wish he called more games. He's fantastic. Uh, but like they were talking about, it's like, Oh, that's like a routine catch. Like he, he was fully in the air, like stretch. Like that's a hard catch, you know? And it's like, it wasn't, I wouldn't, if you have to die for the ball, it was not a perfect throw. That's the other thing. And like, if you, you put it too far out in front of him, cause you want to get that guy in stride. Like if you throw it far enough where he, he has only option is to dive and land and then get t- and then get touched down, then that's not a perfect throw. Anyway, uh, it would have been nice if he caught it. I think he might not have been moved to running back if he caught it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did think, um, and I maybe that that return on special teams really made somebody go, "Wait a minute, what about putting Merritt in in that Ty Montgomery slash running back wide receiver spot?" And yeah, we're we're seeing it now, and I think. Uh, that's definitely, we always hear the more you can do to make this roster is something that's huge for him and, you know, might put him ahead of somebody else just because of that versatility. And he looks really comfortable back there too. That's the other thing. Like he does not look out of his depth at all. He played running back at Desterhan. So he's familiar with the position and he's built like a running back. Like he's, he's, he's built, like he's not going to get tackled and go and just break in half. Like a lot of the wide receivers, like if you put Chris Olave at running back, for example, like <laughs> it's not what you want to see, but we're going to talk a little more about Chris Olave in the third segment. Was there anyone else you wanted to get to before we close out here? We mentioned Hurst last segment. And I think that's uh, going to be something obviously we monitor the next couple practices we're able to see before this preseason game. I'm pretty sure even if he is out there, we're not going to see him at all in the preseason finale. There's no need to, for that. But uh, getting that offensive line set is obviously going to be key for the success of Jameis Winston as well, along with his health and getting more comfortable and you know acclimated with his offense. I, I definitely want to see that full array of weapons on the field with him in a live game situation. But I know that's not going to happen either against the Chargers. We're not going to see a Jarvis Landry or a Michael Thomas. We might see Jarvis. I think there's a chance you see uh, the entire offense but Michael Thomas. Like, I think there's a chance we see Kamara for a series. I still think he's wrapped up in bubble wrap for week one. It's possible. But if you don't, I think they do want to get a first team running back out there. So you might see Ingram. Right. I, I think you're going to see, see that. Yeah, if Jameis doesn't go, then you're going to see Dalton. 
for a series. And I think you want to see the actual first team offense because you haven't really seen even that first drive against Houston. It was the quote unquote first team offense, but it was Traquan and Marquez and Dwayne Washington. Right. So exactly. Yeah. I think there's no way in my opinion, Mike plays on Friday. And I, I think Jameis is going to lobby to play. I think he wants to play. So I think there's a good chance you see a guy, you see a Jarvis, you see Alave again, and uh, we'll we'll go from there. But it's clear that this team is not putting a very high premium on preseason reps. No, and I don't know. To to me, I guess I would think there would be a little more. Um, but it is just the preseason, and you don't want to see your guys getting hurt, obviously, and out for the year. But there's just with so many new pieces, I just thought you'd want to get some of that continuity going. I would too. And one guy who got a bit of continuity going this past week is Chris Olave. We're going to dive into his touchdown from Ian Book a little bit more because it didn't quite go as planned, but I, I thought it still showed a lot about why the Saints like Chris Olave. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be right back at you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, Not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Thanks for listening to Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Now we're going to be breaking down a little bit about one of the Saints rookies, the 11th overall pick in this NFL draft, Chris Olave, who has really started to come alive. Uh, We saw saw him uh, have a good showing in Green Bay, uh, translated into the game as well on that touchdown pass. And I know you have, like you said, some film footage of him to go over really excited just for the fact that he looks the part of that number 11 overall pick. I know a lot of folks were worried that the saints quote unquote gave up a lot to move up and get him, but they saw a need. They liked what they saw in the player, obviously, and went out and were aggressive and got him. And you can't fault the team for that at all. Yeah. So first we'll let's hear from Chris himself on what happened on this play. And then we'll kind of go through it. Uh, it was a play we called. It, we kind of got a different coverage. Uh, I've never seen that before, but I uh, just try to get to my space. Uh, I have a time time clock in my head, so I uh, just try to get to my space while, before that time uh, runs out. And, uh, I got there and looked through a great ball. Uh, it, was a, it was a great uh, offensive call at, at the end of the day. 
And again, we're, if you're listening to the podcast, um, there's a YouTube version of this where we're going through the play, but I'll, I'll spell it out as well. So we have is Chris Olave and Marquez Callaway. Olave's in the slot. Marquez Callaway is out wide. And what you're trying to do here is you're trying to set up kind of a natural, natural pick where Olave is coming out of the slot and he's kind of pivoting inside. He's going to bluff the slant and then work up the seam over the numbers into that kind of corner where he ends up on the double move. But what happens, Marquez is coming up and then going to the post, which is going to drag that safety and his defender inside, which is supposed to, what you're trying to do is create kind of a, a window where Olave can just kind of sit and catch the ball where he did. But this is kind of a weird coverage. It's a, it's a very exotic looking zone for the red zone. And what ends up happening is the defense kind of forces Olave inside farther than he wants to go. You know, that's not where he wants to be. He already wants to be working upfield so he can kind of go under Marquez's hip and use that as kind of a natural rub um, to create that space. But he gets chucked inside and what he does, and this is what I applauded after the game and got some grief because people were like, wow, it was an ugly route. It was a terrible route. Yes, this is an ugly route, but he, the way he recovers and finds his way back to the landmark that he's supposed to be on is what makes this a touchdown. A lot of rookies in this situation will get chucked inside and then just not understand where they are on the field and get lost. And then Ian Book's rolling out, and he's like, well, where is my receiver? This is what happened in our flag football game yesterday because we had no idea what we were doing. And all of a sudden, the quarterback's trying to throw to somebody, and he's like, you guys are idiots. You're not running anywhere. You're supposed to be running. And what Alave does really well here is finds his way back to his landmark. He's supposed to be coming up the numbers, so he kind of floats back up the numbers, sits in this space, and as Ian Book is rolling out, Olave is where he needs to be, where he's expected to be at the time he's expected to be there. And that's why you have a touchdown instead of a, instead of a just dead play. Because once book starts to roll out to the right, that is the only thing you can do is, is go to Olave there. He can't make another throw. Any other throw, he's throwing across his body across the field. The only option he has is to throw to Olave or throw it out of bounds. And Chris makes it so you can make that throw. And that is not as easy as it sounds. You know, like, this was not busted coverage. The, this was the play working. And the play worked because he was able to get there. And I thought that it's, the, it's not the, the prettiest route you ever saw. It didn't go how it was supposed to go. But it's just an example of a young player having really good awareness of where he is on the field, where he needs to be, and how to kind of sit in space and create that target. And he also showed up pretty good hands. I don't think this was like, I think we underestimate how difficult it is to kind of go away from your body and catch it and then work your way back into the field. I thought it was a very nice play and Ian book uh, thought so as well. What, what did you think, Steve? Well, I, I love the breakdown here with the film. It's, we're looking like top notch and your breakdown was awesome. Uh, just seeing Olave too, once he gets to that 10 yard line and that quick turn and speed he puts on, is really impressive, and we, we just keep seeing um, more and more from this kid that's uh, a lot to love. And I'll go back to it again, just really anxious to see him more with Jameis Winston getting these kind of reps. This is this is obviously great for Ian Book and his confidence, but, you know, that, that chemistry he needs to keep building up with Olave, uh, Jameis Winston, that is, is, is going to be key, and I just – I worry about that not being there week one in Atlanta kind of thing. 
Yeah, that's kind of what we got into uh, earlier, which is like how if this offense comes out and looks really rusty and you drop a game because of that, I think you're going to start to question, you know, some of the decisions to not get people reps in the preseason. But just to drive home the point is uh, here is what Ian Book had to say. A lot of times I was telling him we try to once he pivots, try to get a little bit of an outside release and have him work that up the numbers, up the hash mark into the end zone there. Uh, the guy was playing so outside, so he did a, he did a great job. We just kind of were on the same page. He, he he got inside, and then he was still able to expand, which is huge. He got back on that landmark where he needs to be. That just uh, shows you his feel as a rookie, which is pretty special. So half roll to the right and was able to put it out, uh, over that flat defender and before the safety was coming. Great great call by RC, too. Like, great place to run that play. That's what Book is saying, is he's able to find his way back where book can make that throw. And that's what makes this touchdown. He also said it was a great play call by RC. So one thing that what's happening in this game uh, that's worth mentioning is Ronald Curry, the quarterback's coach was calling the offensive plays. And in the past it had been Pete Carmichael calling the offensive plays in the preseason. And then obviously Sean Payton takes over for the regular season in the past. Now Pete Carmichael is the full-time play caller so they want to find someone else who can be kind of a backup play caller in case you like we saw with Sean Payton when he got his knee or his he broke his leg or whatever it was when Jimmy Graham kind of rolled into him and he needed P. Carmichael to call plays. Last year with COVID, you know, Sean was out. All of a sudden, Pete had to call plays. Well, you feel much better in those situations if you know this guy has already done it. So it looks like Ronald Curry, the quarterback's coach, will be kind of the emergency play caller if they end up in that situation again. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting, Dennis Allen, you know, asked about that after the game and uh, just goes to show you this team, obviously always thinking about every scenario, a la Sean Payton kind of thing, trying to plan for everything, very smart and, you know, really encouraging. Yeah, you want to give some other guys on this roster a chance, an opportunity, uh, and even in the coaching staff. And like you mentioned, you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with the dreaded COVID situation again this season but in breaking case of emergency will the saints will now have someone going well we saw you got a chance in the preseason and uh time to step up now in the regular season if need be and you can go to ronald curry uh in that and and not have to worry about him maybe overthinking it too much not having any experience doing it yeah i also think ronald curry is going to be a head coach someday and so you know the stepping stone is offense coordinator and and then uh, head coach probably for him. So it's good to see him getting those opportunities. Okay. And so as we mentioned for the rest of the show, we'll kind of do a quick mailbag. Let's see. I'll, I had one up here. This isn't really a question either. Chris Sanders, he says it's ATL. And I think you're saying like, it's Atlanta. We don't have to worry about Atlanta, but that's always the case, right? We're never supposed to have to worry about Atlanta, at least not the last few years. And uh, that's, that's doesn't seem to work out at least once a season, right? I think in 2020, they did sweep Atlanta, but 2019, you had that really, really kind of puzzling loss at home with, against the, an Atlanta team that I think was either 0-7 or 1-6 at the time. Last year, you obviously lost to Atlanta at home again on that kind of last second play to Cordero Patterson, and that was the first game without Jameis. So, you know, I, you can obviously explain it away, but it's a division game. You can't go in there rusty and not ready to compete and expect to win that game. They're, they have professionals on that team too. And that's why when I'm concerned, it's more about you can't give up that game, right? Because it is Atlanta and you need to win those games because 
you're going to have a really difficult middle of the season and you you need to make sure you get all of those easy wins so that you're not you know behind the eight ball as you go i will say it's a little more at ease as a saints fan i think seeing that they now have marcus mariota as quarterback instead of matt ryan and as much grief as matt ryan gets from the Houdat nation and the abuse that he took from cam jordan obviously over the years I still think he's a pretty decent quarterback and expect him to do pretty good in in, in Indianapolis, actually. Yeah, I'm happy for him. He got out of the dumpster fire while he still had an arm left on his body. Too bad the Saints don't play the Colts so Cam could get after him again, though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Cam can get uh, another sack on him uh, before he retires. Okay, let's go up. So we have a question from Rachel Cusimano. Who is going to be that third running back, and what is your win-loss predictions for this year? Now... If you asked me after week one of the preseason, I would have said Dwayne Washington. And I still think it's probably going to be Dwayne Washington, but I don't know what he's dealing with right now. He didn't play in the second preseason game. He hasn't been out of practice the last two days. So that might be sorting itself out in the negative way for him in terms of he's going to be on the roster as a special teams contributor, assuming he is healthy. And if he's missing these reps now, it's going to be more difficult for him to establish himself in that role. And if he is not the RB3, then I think it's Tony Jones. Um, what, what would you say? Yeah, I'd agree with you there about Tony Jones Jr. Just because that crack in the door opened up a little more now deal with uh, Dwayne Washington dealing with injuries. Still have not seen enough. We mentioned it about Abram Smith. And I don't think that even, I mean, unless he totally goes beast mode against the Chargers, can overtake either Jones or Washington in this last week or the preseason contest. Uh, it, would be, it would be either one of those two uh, between Jones Jr. or Washington to be the RB3 behind Kamara and Ingram. And both of them have experience, obviously, on this roster with the playbook. So uh, that's another bonus that they have, obviously, over Abram Smith, too. The other guy, I think, who might be gaining an edge on Abram is Kirk Merritt, as we talked about, I think. Yeah, that's just very interesting for sure. The ability to just be an option at wide receiver if you're needed there. I think this is the Saints team has shown time and time again that they very much value positional flexibility, right? I mean, I, I've run out of ways to say it, but there's so many players on this roster that play multiple positions or can play multiple positions. And that's one of the reasons that they are kept around. PJ Williams. You know, Cesar Ruiz probably doesn't get drafted unless he also can play center. And, you know, I, I think they've learned that they need to make sure he focuses on guard. Um, <laughs> and I don't think they want him to play center. And that's why you brought in Nick Martin. But I think that that was a big part of that pick, because I think at the time they were thinking, well, we can play him at guard and then not have to carry a backup center on the roster. And uh, I don't think that's worked out um, just because he struggled so much at guard. But I think that's if you're looking for a reason to keep Kirk on the roster, I think you've found it. Yeah, and I think that's obviously great for a local guy. I know folks are uh, pulling for him as well. As for our win-loss predictions for the season, I went 10-7 and seven with the team. Uh, I, I think they've got a tough stretch with the not only the teams that they have to play, but just an unforgivable schedule in terms of such a late bye week. Uh, there's, there's just, it's brutal to me that you have to wait so long. And I'm surprised. And they didn't get the bye week after London, but found out that that was by team's choice. 
Well, they had a really early, a really early buy last year. And I think that they didn't like that because I think that having a buy later in the year when you really need it is far more helpful than a buy in week five, because that means you play the final 12 weeks of the season or whatever, and then go into the playoffs without, without any rest, assuming you don't get a buy. There's only one buy in the playoffs now. So, you know, I think that they think that that matchup with Seattle is winnable enough that they can do it with jet lag. And I, I, and I agree, but you have to do it just like in Atlanta week one, where you should be the favorite and you should go in there and win. You have to do it. And you just have to make sure you put the right foot forward. I went through the schedule when it came out and I did kind of a game by game prediction. And I, I put him at 11 and six because I just feel, I feel confident about this defense's ability to win games. I really do. And I think that if you can get out to a hot start, find a way to go 500 in the middle of the season, right? If you can go four and one and then go, you know, three and three, you're sitting at seven and four, right? And then you have a really, you know, the the schedule is really, it's not front loaded or back loaded. It's all in the middle. You have really winnable games at at the top of your schedule and you have really winnable games at the bottom of your schedule. And so if you can go four and one, three and three, and then four and one, you're right there. So I don't think that math adds up, but three and four then, let's call it. And uh, and that will get you to 11 and six. And I still think that's doable. And I think that the real question is, does that win you the division? Right. And I think it'll depend on what happens in the tiebreakers. It'll depend on what happens with Tom Brady. Because <laughs> I'm still not convinced he's going to be the quarterback for the Bucks this season. I'm, I don't know what he's doing. I've never seen a quarterback just disappear during training camp before and still have confidence about the team that he's on. But the Bucks are trying real hard to convince you they're not worried about this. Yeah, the besides the quote-unquote personal situation that he had an excused absence for that was pre-planned, that's all weird to me. But the fact that also that Buccaneers offensive line t- is, keeps taking shots, and I know they lost another guy to injury – and I wonder if Tommy Boy's starting to think, oh man, I'm not, I don't have my protection. I don't have my security blanket and Gronk anymore. What did I do deciding to come back for this season after I had initially decided to step away? And we hear that one a lot too. It's like, well, if you're thinking about retiring, you've already left the game. And that th- it just seems like the Saints are definitely set up to take this division. It's wide open for them, you know, especially if Tom doesn't play, <laughs> but even if he does, uh, you know, I don't think that that offense is where it needs to be, to be, to be confident in it. You know, anytime you win a Super Bowl, you start to have the, the exodus of players. You start to get players signed off. You start to lose assistant coaches. And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like they're the bucks are a juggernaut by any stretch. Um, there's Jerry giving us five stars. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that. We have a couple more here. This, this one isn't really a question, but Kyle Brister pointed it out. Yes, Nephi Sewell. I almost said I almost said Nephi. Nephi Sewell is the brother of Penne Sewell. Yep, he is. Uh, I think Penne went to Oregon. He's an offensive lineman. Correct. And he was one of the top draft picks last year. I mean, yes, they are brothers. Yeah, remember, like everybody was debating where were the Bengals going to take Penne Sewell or Jamar Chase, and it was mm-hmm. like I think Joe Burrow wants his guy, and it, luckily for them, they did go that direction. Although I'm sure. Joe's wishing he had some more protection as well. Yeah, well, that's that's something the Bengals should probably figure out before their <laughs> franchise quarterback dies and behind the line. Here's one other one that kind of that kind of caught me. 
This is funny because we just got a question that kind of completely misses it. So Daniel Blount says the drop off from the first to second and third string DB is ridiculous. Now I'm thinking you're talking about cornerbacks here and I'm not sure what you've been watching, but I mean, to be fair, yes, there is a drop off from Marshawn Lattimore to Paulson Adebo, but there's going to be a drop off from Marshawn Lattimore to just about anyone who's not the top cornerback on a team. You know, it's like if you're if you're talking about Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey, they're right there. You know, so I don't I don't know about that. But the funny thing is, so that's what Daniel says. And then Chris Sanders uh, just now, do you think this year's DBs are the best in Saints history? <laughs> and I'm not trying to give Daniel a hard time. I appreciate you being in here listening. I think when you watch these guys play, you're going to change your opinion of just how good this group is top to bottom, because. The only question I have is Delonte Taylor because he's been hurt and we haven't really seen him. But I don't know if you're going to find a cornerback group that one, two, three is better than what the Saints have right now. Bradley Roby, they traded for him because they thought they were going to need him as the starter. But Paulson Adebo as a third round pick has played so well that he's probably not going to be able to get on the field outside of like rotational reps. And like if the guy is hurt and you come in and so you have a starter waiting to come in as a sub and that's not normal. You have Alante Taylor who is a second round pick and looks really good. Hopefully he can get whatever, whatever is bugging him sorted out, but you know, he's your fourth string cornerback second round pick. Who's going to be a star on special teams. And then you have, and you are not even talking about CJ in the exactly. slot who had an incredible, we, we didn't talk about this. Jameis got back in the team drills today and he was not greeted with much respect from CJ who uh, Jameis tried to loft a ball to Jarvis Landry, and CJ just just reaches out with his right hand, just snares it like OBJ style, and just brings it down, and he starts talking. CJ was having a day. <laughs> At one point, it was I think it was Vincent Gray who got beat on a route, and <laughs> CJ just walks up, and he's like looking directly at the media because Vincent Gray's right in front of us, and he <laughs> says, come on, little bro, you're playing lazy as beep. <laughs> lazy AF. If you will, he did not say AF. Uh, it was just funny because he's just like, that's who CJ is. CJ's not going to let you, he's not going to lose any reps because he's not playing hard and he's not going to let you lose any reps because you're not playing hard enough. And, you know, Vincent Gray, I think he was playing like a guy who's pretty sure he's going to get cut. An assistant coach got after him at some one point during the practice, too. He's had a rough, he's had a rough camp. But yeah, CJ, CJ is just there as a slot corner. So we're talking Marshawn, Paulston. Backed up by Roby, Alante Taylor is just finding his way, and then CJ in the slot with PJ Williams, who you know you're talking about a seven-year veteran who's who can do what you need him to do. That's not terrible depth either. So, so when we're we're talking about PJ Williams as your fifth or sixth option as a cornerback, yeah, that's not bad at all to me. You're not going who, right? Uh, I think from the secondary perspective, then you have Tyron Matthew. You know who? You know whether you think he's the top corp safety in the NFL right now. He definitely has a case for it. And then Marcus May, who I, I still don't know what expect to expect out of Marcus May, but I know he's not going to be terrible. And I, I think it's more of a question of their their uh, consistency and communication and ability to play off each other than the talent level. May yeah. did have a nice pick of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay in those joint practices, which was cool. No, I think he's going to be solid. And I think they've talked a lot about multiplicity is the word and kind of shifting them back and forth, kind of have... Um, 
like Tyron's going to play strong. He's going to play free. And then Marcus is going to play star strong. He's going to play free and they're going to kind of mix it up. I think in theory, that's going to work a lot better than it will in practice, because I think that Marcus may is significantly more effective as a strong safety than he is as a free safety. And I think Tyron will be able to play both, but I think if you try to throw Marcus at, at free too much, you're going to get burned. Um, deep and I'd, I'd rather not see that more than you have to but I do think the ability to do it will will be able to catch some teams off guard so you know you kind of got to take it for what it is but yeah I don't I don't share Daniel's concern about the defensive backs if we're talking linebackers that's another story yeah and just to throw in too with the safeties and free safety especially too Justin Evans has been a guy that's been impressive all camp and uh, he's one like a kind of like a Chase Hansen you're just hoping can stay healthy. And he has. Justin, you know, there's not a ton of roster spots to be had at the safety position, but I I really do think he's earned one. I hope they can keep him around cuz that dude hits. You know, and you 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 need certain things out of these depth safeties. You need him to play special teams and you need him to come up and make tackles in space and no, no, that is not something I am concerned about with Justin. We've seen him make interceptions. We've seen him lay the wood on people. And I really do think that he is a guy who should make this roster. Yeah, and we were talking about with depth and safety. I'm not sure if a guy, of a veteran like Daniel Sorensen has a spot or not because of, of how deep they are in the secondary. Yeah, I think they signed Daniel Sorensen thinking that they were going to need an extra safety. And then they signed Tyron like, well, okay. Mm, um, right. But- He's uh he's going to be a special teamer if he makes this roster, and so it's on the other guys to make sure that they have they have shown enough on special teams that you don't need to keep a guy specifically for special teams because you already have one safety in JT Gray who is kept around specifically for special teams, and you don't want to have to do that with too many players. Well, that's going to wrap it up on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. Thanks for everyone who watched on YouTube, everyone who's catching the podcast. Make sure to mash that subscribe button. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve Geller on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. Check out WWL.com for all the latest news, notes, and analysis. Check out Sports Talk on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and the Odyssey app. The Odyssey app that we are now on, Inside Black and Gold. Go check it out. Thanks, everybody. One more preseason game. Who adds them? The real deal. Let's go.